0: Welcome to GVN Talking Comics Interview. On today's show, we welcome talented artists Philip Butte Jr. and Mike Awandi. Philip and Mike are two of the founding members of the 9B Collective, the first black-owned concept art studio made up primarily of BIPOC artists. Along with fellow founder Aldous Hodge, the 9B Collective has worked on feature films, animation, television, video games, graphic design and more. Now, here's your host, Martin
1: Sexton. Welcome to another edition of GVN Talking Comics Interview. I am your host, Martin, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to two of the founding members of the 9B Collective, Philip Boutet Jr. and Michael Wandi. Philip and Mike, along with actor Aldous Hodge, have combined to create the 9B Collective one of the premier concept art studios in the business, doing work for Marvel, Paramount, Netflix, and much more. So let's welcome talented artists and entrepreneurs, Philip Boutte Jr. and Michael Wanda to GVN's Talking Comics. Thanks for giving us a bit of your valuable time today, guys. How are we doing today? Great. Excellent. Okay, so uh, since this is the first time I've had the pleasure of talking to both of you, I want to delve into a little bit of your artistic beginnings. And I'm going to start with you, Philip. When did you first take an interest in uh, art and whose work kind of inspired you to believe that it's something you could uh, attain to?
2: Um, I think I've I've been drawing since I was like three. So I think it was always just like I was in the comic books really early on and like Saturday morning cartoons um, and watching anime and stuff like that. So I kind of, my, my curiosity sparked early um there um and then from there I kind of moved into looking into films um and so like watching films like Never Ending Story and Willow and you know Flight of the Navigator like all of those old kind of films that's what kind of sparked me to think bigger um and start to use my imagination Dark Crystal you know all of those types of things um and then Spielberg movies like Goonies and you know those types of things I think that that was like what really kind of drew me to drawing basically
1: well, I, said, I know when everyone says that those old movies, I'm thinking, those aren't old? Those?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, uh, same question for you, Mike. What uh, got you interested in going into art?
0: Yeah, so um, similar to Phil, I've been drawn since I was like three years old. Um, but I was definitely into like Sonic and Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. But then eventually uh, my neighbor got me into anime and this game called Final Fantasy. Um, And there was this artist named Yoshitaka Anamo who had this really beautiful, like, illustrative style that I just was, like, in awe about. And so, similar to him, it kind of, like, expanded my world as to what what that stuff could look like. Um, So, yeah, it kind of eventually just went into video games rather than, like, film um, for me.
1: All right. Uh, so I noticed that you both work digitally. Uh, was that always the case? I mean, did you start out in the more traditional form? Uh, and what, what made you end up going toward the digital workflow? Uh,
2: digital just became my necessity of like technology and just this, the times, right? Like, so I know for me, I know we both did. We started traditionally like doing like, I had a traditional just uh, background. So it was like uh, pen and paper, charcoal, gouache, watercolor, uh, oil, acrylics, like just learning all the basics of art and how to produce art and how to make it. Um, and then I think only until my last semester in college at Cal State Long Beach did I learn Photoshop. So it was like right at the cutting edge of that. Um, and so trying to kind of figure out how to kind of take my artwork from paper to digital was a difficult process, but then once I got into it, I loved it. And it's it just by nature of the business in terms of, being able to make changes quickly, um, and then using the tools to kind of make sure that you're on the cutting edge of technology.
1: Okay. Uh, again, same with you, Mike. Did uh, did you start out with a traditional uh, form of art?
0: Yeah, definitely. I started off traditionally, and um, in college, I always tried to dabble in it, but it was just so painful um, for me <laughs> um, because I was like, "How do you draw? Like looking at something, but you're not looking at the actual no. tablet you're drawing on." I felt like that was so weird. Um, so eventually, and still to this day, I don't really know how to draw on a tablet, but I do know how to use a Cintiq. And it sucked because it was so expensive to get a Cintiq. So be <laughs> really bad at my job for a long time, basically. <laughs>
1: uh, that was a great segue because I was getting ready to talk about that because I know that, uh, you know, in the time where you've talked to young artists, they might have asked you what equipment that you use. Uh, and I went the same way. I went from the tablet where I had to stare at the screen and draw on the tablet. That does not work. For me, uh, but again, I couldn't afford this antique, so like I used like a nineteen-inch Shuian, which was a whole lot cheaper, but works just as well at least for me. Uh, so, what do you recommend to, to young ones, young people who ask you what you know what they should be using?
2: Um, I mean, I think like if you're if you're just starting out, I think before before you do anything digitally, you really should learn to draw on paper. So, just taking your sketchbook with you, pen, you know, paper, pencil, pen, whatever it is that you want, just mark making, I think is important. Um, You can always graduate to using like an iPad with an iPencil and using something like Procreate, which is really great, um, because it allows you to still be on the go, it allows you to, you know, show your portfolio on it, and then also it allows you to draw and paint. Um, And then from there, I think it's moving into, you know, programs like Photoshop. Um, and making sure that you have a basis for that. You can even go into 3D and digital with like programs like ZBrush or Marvelous Designer or Dash 3D. Um, And I think that tools wise, um, just starting out with a basic tablet is fine. Um, You know, it's going to be one of the expensive ones. Um, But I think, you know, for both me and Mike, we both kind of settled our love on Cintiq because it allows us to draw directly on a screen right in front of us and do what we need to do.
1: Right. So and that's actually why I went to the Huon, because that was the first one that allowed me to do that, because I said I couldn't coordinate at all. Uh, yeah. OK, so, uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, what was your first professional employment in art? And uh, how long did you feel like as you got started that you started to feel more settled in and not worried about what you were producing?
0: Oh, man. Um, so I think my very first job was this uh, company that is now defunct called Red 5 they essentially was making uh um uh, a first person anime style shooter similar to uh that blizzard game i can't remember what it's called overwatch very similar to overwatch well before overwatch and um eventually um i was just doing like icons which was not fun at all <laughs> it was really painful um <laughs> and then um I then moved to, like, doing commercials and things like that, like for Mr. Clean and stuff like that. Definitely not the, like, most glamorous beginnings. Um, But to be honest, I didn't really feel like I actually got to a point where I, you know, felt like, you know, like I made it, so to speak, until, like, I guess this year. Um, (laughs) It was like someone said, hey, you made it. And I was like, oh, I guess I did, huh? Um, But it never feels that way, so... Yeah, I'll continue to just feel like I did.
1: <laughs> okay, how about you, Phil?
2: Um, I don't know. I think I, when I first, I think it was like, especially the start of an artist is like, you're trying to just figure out how to survive, right? So it's like, I remember doing the jobs where it's like, it'd be like some random person would be like, oh, I have a friend that's trying to start a t-shirt line and they need stuff that looks like Harley Davidson stuff. And then it moved into like, oh, I've got a friend of a friend that's starting a barbershop and they need a logo, you know, like that type of deal. And then it moved from, or someone would be like, can you draw my tattoo? It starts there and then it moves into then like getting clients where it's like, okay, I have something for a book or something publication wise. Um, and then moving into uh, knowing that I wanted to draw characters Um, It moved into me trying to draw my own characters and kind of foster that. And then led to, you know, eventually finding the costume designers guild and then working with costume designers to do characters. So it was like, it was a big process. I production designed for a long time. So I was drawing sets and I was coming up with ideas for music videos. Um, So the process is wide, but I think the key thing is the component to it was being consistent and then trying to make sure that your skills were up to par so that you could deliver no matter what was thrown at you.
1: Excellent. Okay. So, uh, so you got my so when did you and uh you give me get myself straight here, you Mike, and and of decide to get together to form the 9B collective.
2: That was back in uh in 2020. So we uh we were at a drink and draw for the Concept Art Association. It was sponsored by us and then um and it was themed Afrofuturism Afropunk, right? So it was for Black History Month 2020. Um, We put it together, had a whole big turnout. Um, It was amazing. And we noticed uh, that was just me and Mike. So we noticed that there was a, a, a discrepancy, at least in terms of like all these black artists, specifically all in one place, all working across different platforms. So animation, video games, live action, producers, directors, you name it, like just professionals, right? and all kind of knowing of each other, but never have been in, this, in the same place at the same time. Like, so we, we have internet friends or we know someone's work, but it's like, I work in live action, they work in video games, we never, you know, commingle. Um, and long story short, that got to a point where we're looking and we're talking to people and getting to know them about their careers and stuff. And the similar theme just seemed to be, no matter who it was, the main theme was either this feeling of isolation, Um, like being the only one or the only one that looks like them in their their work group Um, or they worked at a company that had hundreds of employees at which point there are only a few minorities so maybe like there's like two black people that work at a company of 400 people and they never get to work together and they're never on the same project so because of that um because of that, that ended up being a problem where we're like, okay, this is an issue, you shouldn't feel that kind of isolation. I looked at my own career, and that's when the kind of like clicked where it was like I had been working in costume and character for since two thousand and seven, and the first time that I personally sat next to another black artist doing my same job was 2019. So that was a long period of time <laughs> to be isolated. Um, and so, between talking to Mike and then him having similar situations, and him coming in the live action with me, and he had been doing video games and animation, which I was not doing, and then we were talking about the education pipeline, about building up artists, and then talking to Aldis. I've known Aldis since he was like around twelve because we were both actors. Or so I was a, I was a child actor. Aldis is now obviously an actor. So um, we, and he does a lot of art. So he was very, he just understood what we were trying to do and he wanted to be a part of it. So that's why we all kind of like formed together. Um, because right after that, in February of 2020, we had quarantine. So that's 2020, everything shut down. There was no avenues for kind of building this community that we wanted to build. Then by the time you got to George Floyd and all of those things, it really just made us think bigger. And we thought about opening it up to the world.
1: Excellent. Uh, so, uh, all, yeah, I didn't realize Aldous was a painter until I was doing research for this interview, yes. which, I, which I, I thought was great. What kind of paintings does he do? Um, lots of, fa-
2: lots of fine art. So he'll do, he'll do pieces about, uh, you know, uh, socioeconomic issues or systemic racism or thinking about like think pieces, things that like you look at and they make you think, I mean, he's exhibited in the LA art show and a few other places. So he'll do big thing pe- pieces. He's also a horologist. So he makes watches.
1: Yes, is, I had to look that up. They said he was a I what is that? Yeah. Go <laughs> so ahead <laughs> so and look. Oh, so he does watches. Okay, that, that's cool. All right. Very, okay. very
2: artistic uh, gentleman. So he understands exactly what we're doing. Very he's good. Basically, like, right
1: sure. <laughs> I Okay, so now, you know, between you and Mike, you guys have done a whole bunch of impressive projects. And uh, the best I can tell you, obviously, he said, okay, what would Martin Sexton like? Because you did a bunch of whole Star Trek stuff and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff's just right up my alley. So i which is you may notice on my background, I got the agents of shield thing. Uh but uh as far as getting the opportunities to get your foot in the door to do these kinds of projects, what did that require?
2: Um mind.
0: yeah, I think for me, um it was kind of weird because I think like I since I've worked in games, you know, there's always like this Marvel game or this Star Wars game and stuff like that. And I was doing a few of those. Um, so I already had like a lot of familiarity with that world and those characters, as well as of course, like comic books and stuff like that. And then it just ended up meeting the right people, but acclimating my style to what was needed. Um, And so once the two and two kind of mixed up, they were like, oh, well, why don't you just work for Marvel? Hey, why don't you help me on Star Trek and stuff like that? So it actually like kind of worked out in the right way for me, at least, where I kind of like built up to it rather than just like
1: getting dumped right in there. Excellent. Okay.
3: dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: The fact that you have worked with uh, Ruth Carter, of course, two-time Academy Award winner now. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, what were your collaborations with Ruth like and, and how exactly did that workflow go? Did she would give you a design and then you would uh, put it on paper? How exactly did that work? It's a really
2: collaborative, like with Ruth. Ruth, I worked with her a couple of times before Black Panther, just on like some smaller projects where she was developing some stuff. Um, and then she contacted me for Black Panther during her interview because she knows she knows that I'm a nerd and I just know <laughs> that stuff. So we had a really good conversation about Black Panther and about like what it stood for and like all the correlations, like different things like, you know, Mansa Musa and Vibranium being gold, you know, like all of that stuff. We talked about all those things and we just really had a great conversation. And then she went and had her interview, and she booked it, and she hired me. Like she was just like, we need to do this together. It was awesome. And so I spent a lot of time just going back and forth. And she's very knowledgeable about not only costume but research. Like she does a lot of research, so she was very knowledgeable about knowledgeable about different African tribes, what their stuff meant. She's like a historian, so I got to learn a lot from her just from her design, her design kind of knowledge and her background and kind of like character um and so on the first one i was in her department um on black panther we're in her department and we just drew stuff and the way that process works is it's highly collaborative like she'll come up with an idea she gives it to me i'm fleshing it out and drawing and then sometimes it's vice versa where it's like i might have something and give it back but it's a whole design process right it's very collaborative um on wakanda forever I actually worked for Marvel VisDev, So I was in the visual development partner uh, department under Ryan Minerding. Um, but me, me and Ruth are good friends, so we would always trade things back and forth and talk to each other. So it was kind of like a good balance. Um, she's just very creative and very supportive. Um, but also, you know, obviously, as a two-time Oscar winner, she knows her stuff um, well, and she's willing to share. So she's a very collaborative uh, head, department head.
1: I, see, I mean, that's the impressive thing, even, you know, as you said now she's won her two awards but she's still you know the back and forth doesn't bother some people you know their egos get in the way and they but that's obviously not rude
2: okay. she's very collaborative and she's also really supportive and she wants to make sure that everyone's given credit for what they do in the process of like the team right she's very team oriented
1: excellent okay so now philip when i first uh hooked up with you on linkedin i had mentioned to you that uh the today show segment was the first time i had had been introduced to you and like i said the one thing that really besides the work which was fabulous but what really impressed me was when you said toward the end about looking for people's uh potential as opposed to maybe their experience uh which i think is a great idea because i can remember even when i was a kid and getting into uh people leaving college they couldn't get a job because they said okay well, you need to have experience well how can i get experience if you don't give me a chance to, to do it So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, why you feel it's important to maybe work with someone's potential as not necessarily their experience.
2: I think especially for artists of color, we experience this a lot where it feels like you can kind of get your foot in the door on something. Like you do a big project, you get your foot in the door, everyone's celebratory. And then it's like, when that project's over, instead of you being in the room and being able to proceed in the room, it's like you're kicked back outside the door. And then it's like, okay, what else you got? Or what else have you done? Um, also, just in terms of hiring, what we've noticed is, is that a lot of artists of color are hired specifically for what they have accomplished and not their potential, meaning that you can look at an artist's portfolio, you can know that they're good, but they're like, well, what projects have they worked on? What have they done? And if, you're, if you do that enough times, You're not ever giving them the opportunity to show what they can actually do and by the time they are able to do that they're kind of burned out and bitter and like it's the whole process right that's just kind of the life of like an artist of color in a nutshell to a degree um you know generalizing that but i think that what we've decided is is that we have the opportunity to actually flip that around so there are many artists of color that we know that have never given an opportunity we give them the opportunity to shine and we hire them based on knowing it's like You don't have to have, this is one thing that we always laugh about just for artists in general, is that you'll have this really great portfolio and you'll show it to someone. And they're like, oh, your portfolio is so amazing. And I can tell that you can draw and paint, but you know, can you, can you paint a clown? Like they, because you don't have a clown in your portfolio, they act like you're not capable of doing it. So it's the same thing, but on like with artists of color, it becomes like, just this overbearing thing on your entire portfolio or your entire career where they're like, well, you've never worked on a big movie. Can you do that? And it's just like, well, will you give, give me the opportunity to do it? Like, it's that type of deal. So we really just strive to turn that around on its head.
1: Excellent. Okay. So like when uh, an artist is, you know, applying to, to work for you, does it go through uh, both Mike and you? Or do you have a hiring system set in place? How does that work as far as the, for them to get their foot in that door?
2: I'm going to pass this on to Mike. Yeah. So we do have
0: someone who's in charge of that. Um, But then of course it goes uh, to me and Phil. And we also think about like, where could we place them? Like, how could we, you know, actually utilize them for their strengths? Um, Because one of the things that like, is kind of rough in the industry is like, most of the time they won't give you a chance, right? Like simply they just give you a chance for us. We at least say we don't want them to fail. So we don't want to set them up to fail either. So, we think about it per project a lot of the times, like we we'll see someone's work and we say, OK, like they look like they will be great for this and this project or this type of work in the future. And then we try and give them a chance to, like, actually prove themselves um, and, like, you know, get up to those expectations. And they usually do.
1: Well, one of the things also I love and I've seen it recently in social media is that when Uh, one of your artists does something, you have no problem putting it out there and saying, yeah, they did a great job on this, whatever, which I think is kind of important, you know, as you say, just to realize because the worst thing you can have when you work for somebody is for them not to acknowledge what you do.
2: Correct. (laughs) We are artists through and through and we've been through this, which is why we try with our company to make sure that we're doing it correctly um, and making sure that people feel seen and appreciated. Um, One of the things that I told Mike um, and it's something that I've kind of started to talk about was when I was on the talk, on the show, The Talk, um, right when they introduced me, the audience stood up and gave, you know, Akbar stood up and gave me a standing ovation, right? Now, in that moment, even though it's fast, it's like the part that made it made me want to break down is not the fact that I felt seen. It was because I felt like concept artists were being seen all over the world, like where if people didn't know what that job was, it felt like you were able to be seen. And also to a degree, it felt like a celebration of the work that, you know, I have accomplished as opposed to being behind someone all the time or being hidden. Um, So it was like a two part thing. Um, So we definitely want to make sure that the artists that work for us feel that exact same way and that they are celebrated for the, because, you know, being an artist is hard. So it's like, you should be celebrated and given credit for the work that you do.
1: Okay. okay, so this is kind of a rhetorical question, and it's for the both of you. Do you see a point, you know, as the 9B Collective continues to grow, would you would get to the point where you would yourself would not do the drawings and you'd let your, your artist you've hired do it? Or is that too much ingrained in your DNA to ever stop creating?
0: <laughs> I feel like it's kind of happening now where we don't even draw that much anymore. <laughs> It's like passing it to everyone else. So um, I think like just on the managerial side, it's really tough to like switch brains like all the time. Like and the more and more we do it, the more tiring it gets. Um, but also we want to make sure that we give everyone else opportunity because um, I feel like we've been really blessed to even have the opportunities that we've gotten. But we want to make sure that we're spreading the wealth for sure.
2: Correct. It's more about giving the opportunity. And then I know I was just like, I'm old and tired. So I'm like, if I can art direct and pass it off, I'm
1: completely fine to do that. (laughs) (laughs)
2: these young kids are super talented and really good you know so it's like it's 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 good to be able to share the wealth and give people an opportunity because that's the other thing is it's a pipeline right it's one of those things where it's like you go through you change you grow you move into stuff and younger artists really need a chance to shine and use that energy in a positive direction and actually be able to work on stuff that they're excited about you know I want them to be able to some product or some some project that they watch when they're a kid, it's so exciting to get to work on that thing when you're older and be able to, you know, institute stuff into it or add to it, right? Um, And that feeling should be shared. It shouldn't just be singular.
1: Excellent. Okay, so let's fast forward 15, 20 years and the 9B collective is still setting the standard for uh concept visual conceptual art. When it is all said and done, how would you want the 9B collective to be remembered? By the the work that you've put out or by the fact that you provided opportunities for uh young artists maybe of, of color who would not have gotten the opportunity otherwise.
2: Thank you, Anta
0: definitely think it's more the latter, at least for, for myself. I want to speak for myself. Um, yeah. It's definitely the latter for me. I, I think, like, it's kind of a dream to see, like, all the opportunities that would happen and, like, how that would eventually change the playing field um, and being a part of that rather than, like, the ego stroke of, like, seeing, like, all the cool things that we've done over time. It's, like, I think to an extent, like, you never really get, at least, I mean, maybe Phil knows better than me because he's worked, like, literally double the time I've worked in the industry, but... <laughs> um to me I'm like I don't know if you ever get that like approval of like being excited or happy about all the things that you worked on but I do get excitement and like happiness based on all the people I've helped yeah. so I think that, that's more of like the moment for me that that would like really make me feel great about it when I look back
2: I agree with with what Mike is saying, because it's an empty goal to continue to feed your own ego or to feed the things that you've done. The best feeling is when you know that you've helped other people. Um, I've always said that what I wanna, I think the legacy for 9B that I'd love to leave behind is eventually having, having the industry be at a state into where 9B doesn't have to exist. So a company like 9B that's trying to provide opportunity for artists of color, Um, and beyond shouldn't necessarily need to exist it should just be happening and it should just be equal and it should be fair and it should be balanced and right now it's not so the goal would be eventually to have it be where it's balanced enough to where that's not a needed thing and then 9b would move on to transition into doing our own projects or developing things um, and helping more people and helping artists actually feel like there's a place for them to belong that's the goal
1: all right. Excellent. Okay. Well, I do want to thank you both for your time. And Philip, I have to, I think I told you before, I had to admit when I reached out to you on LinkedIn, I really did not think you would answer me. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I put it out there just thinking. And then when you answered me, I was pleasantly surprised but also kind of kind of touched me that I thought that and I think it's a kind of a lesson for other maybe young people you will never find anything out unless you take the time to ask <laughs> and uh so uh I, I thank you for that now before I let you go I want to give you guys a chance to maybe talk about any other projects you have in the work I know you got a Blue Beetle movie coming out uh soon and you're also working with Lightbo- Lightbox Expo on their second annual Easter egg Paintathon thing so if you want to talk about any of that I give you the floor
2: yeah. Mike, you want to see, but like give some plugs?
0: Um, I'm trying to think of like what we can talk about. Yeah, <laughs> no, no,
2: like there's a lot of NDA things, which is like mm. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go, I'll say yes, we we did get a chance to work on um Blue Beetle, um, the live action Blue Beetle that'll uh directed by Onhill Manuel Soto, um uh that comes out I think in August, um August of of this year. Um so that was a really fun one for us to work on, and what we were able to provide there was kind of this um this in between place between the departments where we had kind of a hub of concept art that was being provided by a team that was primarily Latin to add diversity to add a diverse voice, but also to empower those artists to have a voice in a say in a project of telling a story that was very based in their culture. Um, so that was super um that was a great project for us to work on. Um, Thank you. And, Yes. And then um and then with Lightbox, we're doing yes, the Easter egg um uh, uh Easter egg event on uh was it April first? Yep, yes. uh, first and second. Yep. First, yeah, it's it first and second. it's a 24 hour like draw and paint as much as you can. Um we'd encourage everybody to either go to lightboxexpo.com or schoolism at schoolism, I think also has it, um, and sign up for it on the Discord um and and let and let it let it fly. It's gonna be a fun event. Um, it's superhero themed, so it's, it's, it should be a good time.
1: All right. Well, again, I appreciate you guys for your time, and uh, we will be following the nine B very closely, and hopefully get a chance to talk to you again in the future as, as other projects come up. So, I uh, thank you very much. Thank Thanks. you so much. All righty.
0: Thank you for listening to GVN's Talking Comics. Please come back again. Talking Comics is a production of Geek Vibes Nation.